0: Welcome to another episode of the Traveling Hoopers podcast. I am your host, Alan pettigrew and let's go ahead and get into it today. My bad. Pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In front of me, we have my friend, Calvin McGowan. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to ignore you, bro. Go ahead, and yeah.
1: uh Hello once again, everybody. I'm Calvin McGowan. It's always a pleasure to be here, and um, we... Are about to get into, you know, the end of the college basketball season. So yes.
0: My bad, man. I did three episodes of the Prospects Corner, and I just I'm so used to being alone, man. I'm not a, I'm not a team player anymore.
1: <clears throat> it's okay. You can figure it out again.
0: Yeah. Just like Zaga has to, because
1: God. Ooh.
0: <laughs> the boys, they, they got thumped. I did not foresee this. I, I really thought that this was going to look more like UCLA. Like, after watching that UCLA game, I was like, oh, this is what happens when you just let your pros run.
1: Okay, cool. This is okay.
0: And that is not what Baylor came to do at all.
1: Like, it. One, let me just say that I feel like, just me, like, if I'm ranking games, right? As far as like the final four games between the men's and women's and like the national title games. Like it was the second most disappointing game I watched. The other one was of course the game, like the Baylor Houston game. Where they you know they also they basically did what they did with the Zags. They came out and got you down bad in the first half. And like you got your stuff back together. But like by then you're you're twenty points down almost and they're they're kinda just cruising. Um, but, I mean, and, like, I've seen some stuff talking about, well, okay, I mean, people's, you know how people are done with hot takes and, and, yeah. and, and stuff, like, being, like, the Zags are overrated, I mean, like, if you want to talk about, like, the idea that maybe they were historically good, then, I mean, in fairness, like, being beat by the only other team who was considered to have a realistic shot at getting you who is also considered arguably historically good doesn't necessarily stop you being historically good as I'm like thinking talking about it out loud but like they weren't it's just kind of like they lost to the one team everybody was like this is the only team that's got a real shot for real from the beginning of the season because both teams were monsters the whole way through Mm -hmm. except for like what two games Baylor lost I think but, like, they, they and Gonzaga in particular ran through everybody, like, getting here. They ran through good teams. They ran through mediocre teams. It didn't really matter. Um, but, like, it was shocking. Like, Baylor came out hot early. Not only did they come out hot, they came out with super intense D. And, granted, I wanted Gonzaga to win because I kind of just like to see it happen. But, like, the defense that Baylor came out with and really kind of kept up the whole game was like, if someone who likes defense, that stuff was fantastic. Like, it, like, they, a lot of ball pressure, just a lot of, you know, that they, they weren't scared of contact. Um, and like, they even pressed a little bit. Hmm. They pressed a little bit at some point. Yeah. And it's just like, and that, I feel like that intensity really, like, bothered the Zags really the entire game, right? Because they were, because even when they weren't, like, even when it didn't result in the turnover, like, the Baylor was, get, was like, getting hands on passes, um, was, like, causing dude like, forcing Deuce to pick up their dribbles to, like, make questions, like, the Zags were pressured into making if he passes and otherwise just, like, they didn't do enough work to get open. In fairness to them, right? And I, it's, you say in fairness, like, and because this is basically a backhanded compliment to most, like, to most defense. But, like, most defenses you, you'll run across don't play, like, they're not intense, like Baylor's defense was, yeah right and there're only a handful of teams that'll run defense that'll be up in your face like that like and like you might have a dude right on teams that's really like that but like you don't the entire squad's not usually doing that but that's what Baylor did and they did that defense was amazing they came out shooting i think it was like at 1.60% and mind you a lot of the shots that they knocked down were contested right um And they can, they abuse Gonzaga on the boards. Right, and like... Mark Vital. Vital, Tachua, like, just, it was, and like, and in fairness, right, like, they might have had an advantage on the boards kind of regardless of what the Zags did, but like, part of that problem, and like, I, I watched this with my father, and like, we'll just like, talk about stuff, but, like, one of the problems, right, was, like, they kept, they, Baylor picked on Drew Timmy, right, they picked, and, like, I don't mean this to say, like, like, they, they, they stuck him on islands out on the perimeter, and, like, few for most of the game, kind of just let it happen, like, you didn't just, like, know, Timmy, do not switch on the pick and roll. Like, go back down to your dude or something. No. Like, just they pick. Now, like, some dude, like, some 6'4 kid is on Vital or Tachua who are both sl- bigger and just have way more muscle on them. And, you know, the shot goes up even if they don't hit it over Timmy, which they tended to do. Like, the, the, those boys weren't about to out rebound to Chua and Vital and like the the Baylor front court. One, the Baylor front court was boxing out hard, but also they they were boxing out hard. But also they were just bigger and stronger. And like their one like dude who had that size for real was contesting the jump shot right out on the perimeter. A dude he on a duty and no hope of holding for real anyway. And, and like, if that didn't happen where the mismatch happened, it was just like, there was a dude just wide open down low, right? For the easy dump off and whatever. And like, I think I've seen where some folks feel like, I guess, Timmy got abused by Tichua and Vital. And like, I I don't really think that's true because they didn't really, they didn't really abuse him for like, but guards abused him. Like they mm-hmm. it, like that was disrespectful what they did feels. him for the entire <laughs> game. But like it was more like he was never really in a position to do anything about them. And in fairness, I think few recognized some of this, right? Because like at one point in the set, in the first half, they went to a 2-3, which did kind of work for a little bit. You know, then do started getting into the middle and like hitting mid-ranges, and they kind of you know, came out of it, but, like, because, like, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna, like, if you're few, right, you get to a point where just, like, you kind of have to pick and choose what you're gonna give up, right, because, like, and if it was me, and I think he came to a different decision with trying to make sure to try to stop the threes and whatever, it's just, like, because, like, especially in that first half, it's like, they're doing this on us regardless of who's guarding them anyway. It doesn't matter how close dude it Like, it doesn't matter how close our dude is, how good that defense is. They're just knocking them down, right? Like, at that point, you just kind of be like, we can at least try and stop the bleeding on the boards, right? Because what I think it they had I think they've, let me pull this up. Let me pull this up because I want my numbers correct. Okay.
0: Um
1: but like I think and I think Baylor finished with um Wait, how do I know? Okay, looking at this right here. Baylor finished with 14 offensive boards. The Zags more. got one.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. It like, felt like more than
0: fourteen, man.
1: That that's why I'm questioning this particular <laughs> source on this. Hold up,
0: because they were they were so dominant. Because even the the defensive rebounds felt like offensive rebounds. Because it looks like they were just kind of crushed at, after some possessions. Like, that one shot and goal just... And then that was just going to open up for offense it, it, anyway.
1: Yeah, it's like, okay, ESPN 16 offensive rebounds for Bailey on the night. Um, the Zags, ESPN, got five. But it looks like basically all of them were just, like, the ball going out of bounds cuz no one is credited mm-hmm. cuz only one offensive rebound is credited to a player. So yeah, basically but like they can they controlled the boards.
0: Yeah.
1: Like they and like when they control if you, they're controlling the boards and especially early they were knocking down everything. They cooled off and like if I was Mark Few I was if I I was thinking like if I was Mark Few I'd make sure my players like they shot 60% from deep or whatever, like that half, or right at. Like, they, like they're like they an amazing three-point shooting team, but they don't shoot like that.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right? So, like, they're going to cool off. But, like, and, like, there was a stretch where Baylor wasn't making shots, I think, in the second half. But, like, Gonzaga wasn't making them like they needed to either. Yeah. And, again, that defensive intensity bothered Gonzaga all game long. Also, Corey like, Kispert, he, he basically just – he disappeared. He got
0: smothered. That was that was like – I was ex- excited for this game for Corey Kispert because I was like, this is supposed to be the – this is supposed to be one of your lottery picks. Like, this is one of your go-to guys. This is 6'7", big dude. Like, we've been talking about him as one of the best shooters the entire – like year, and then like the farther we go, he starts to kind of just look like just a shooter. And then in this game, it's like that doesn't even fully work. It's it's a weird one here. Like um, I really, I really thought they would have had a chance considering like the two lottery picks with Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert. But
1: I I think Banks some didn't
0: of it was that.
1: I, again, I think some of it, especially early, was just like the level of intensity Baylor played with on the defensive end, right? And like, I think some of it being real and like people would be like, you know, it would have been maybe been better prepared. If, like I've seen like they've been better prepared if they had like been in, like a power conference. It's like no, they wouldn't because like it's like there are two teams that are this good and they can't play themselves. Exactly. But, like, but also, like, they, the way they limited Drew Timmy was, like, they just, they kind of didn't let him get the ball for real. And, like, and, like, he turned it over a fair bit as well, but, like, didn't really let him get the ball really in places that, like, he would have liked to, probably a little lower. Because he was, like, even when he was posting up, he was getting it kind of high. Right? Like he was still making shots. don't get me wrong. like he finished, but like in this game, for example, he he only took seven, he only had seven field goal attempts. He hit five yeah. of them, but he only took seven, right? um And like some degree, I think Gonzaga, and maybe this is because of UCLA, the UCLA game, but like they didn't, especially early, they didn't come out with like the the energy right, that you'd seen from them in some of the other games,
0: Yeah. right?
1: Um, and, like, I think there was one point in the game, this was in the second half, Kispert got a block, I think it was, like, saved the ball from going out of bounds. Like, granted, he threw it in, like, a just kind of open space, and, like, none of his teammates ran to go and get it. Like, he got a – and it's like, if somebody who, like, coaches – like, I would, I would I would, be high Right, at the rest of the crew's like he does all that work, like you can at least run to go and get get it. And then and then Baylor scores. Like basically immediately off that, off that getting the ball back that he saved they score. And it's just like where is where's is the effort? They look dejected. Like I, I wonder how
0: much that UCLA game took out of them. Like that was one of their biggest dog fights the entire year. Like yeah. it really came down to a
1: a Jalen Suggs, not He, but
0: yeah, a Jalen I Suggs. mean that's how they
1: won. Like I feel like they probably they probably could have won without it, but that's how the game ended, right? I
0: look, they would have, but it would have had to go to double OT. Yeah. And like Johnny Zuz- Juzang is a guy, but blister report also showed him as like the number forty eight prospect in the draft right now which means he's like a second round guy which doesn't mean he's a there fully, like they're even saying like, it's just come back for another year, show us what you got and that dude in Tyree Campbell with his wonderful hair I know some of y'all was hating Calvin, I think it was you
1: No, it was not <laughs>
0: But, uh, no, if, if a dude like Johnny Zuc- Zane can push you that far, then what you're working with with mm-hmm. Baylor is a completely different conversation, right?
1: So Yeah, but, like, I also feel like keep in mind with, like, UCLA, and also with, honestly, most teams that play Gonzaga, or, like, this happened frequently, right? It's just, like, in order for UCLA to hang around like they did for real, like they had, they played amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Like they played amazing to hang around with Gonzaga and they were down and like, they went in down one at the half. Right. And like they, they could second half, they continue to play their asses off. And then like, you know, they get and like, that's, it's just good enough to get you OT. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, it's like, they played amazing. And that was good enough to hang around, and like, and make no mistake, right? UCLA played good basketball to get there, even though like they were they didn't play their their regular season wasn't great, like their postseason was good, but their their regular season wasn't. But like they they like, played great basketball to get to that point to play Gonzaga. They played great basketball against Gonzaga, and then when it's all said and done, like they still went home. Right, the kind of game where, like, if you play basically anybody else, like you're yeah. pro- like you're probably up double digits, and t- that kind of illustrates the gap between like Baylor and Gonzaga and like everybody else, right? And like, and like on the other side, right? Baylor played Houston and. That was that game disappointed me because I, I I was expect one I was expect I was just expecting a better game being real right but like Houston's offense was giving them nothing except for like Sasser who like scored basically all their points which again you know just a general reminder one team can't like one dude can't beat a team it don't really matter who that dude is when he puts up one or one hundred like he's if one dude is scoring all of your points. Like, literally all of your points, you're not winning that game, right? But, like, they they stomped on Houston early, (laughs) like they did with Gonzaga, right? And, like, because, like, like, I watched the entire game, even though, like, it was kind of clear for a while, right? But just, like, and, like, Houston got their stuff together. They had a decent second half, but, like, it wasn't good enough to claw out of a 20-point hole. Yeah. And there was some of that with Gonzaga except like the pre like Baylor kept the pressure up. And truthfully, like it and like like Gonzaga like shot at a higher percentage than Baylor did. Right, from the field. And they shot more free throws, even though they didn't make more. Mm. Um and Baylor actually shot well from the free throw line which is something they struggled with all year. Um but like boys came to play. <laughs> they did. They like that's what it boils down to. They came to play. They took advantage of their size and physicality. They took the one dude who could kind of deal with that especially for controlling rebounds. They they took him out to defend the guards and that that went as well as you would expect. Possibly worse. And, like, Gonzaga, they did—I'm not going to say few didn't adjust. He tried to make adjustments, but, like, he didn't—I guess he didn't make the adjustments that he really—that he would have needed to. And, like, with some of it, there's not a whole lot of adjustments to make too much. Like, when they're knocking down everything, wouldn't you have their hand—your hand in their face? It's Like, granted, that's not going to keep up, but that's going to—but that's the problem. Yeah. And, like, like it's one of those games where it's kind of like, I don't know, it feels like, I really don't know what to say here. <laughs> it's like, truth be told, it like it's one of those where you kind of feel like it'd probably be a closer game if they actually had yeah. have played that game during the regular season like when you feel just because like if nothing else Gonzaga's seen like they've seen Baylor before yeah. now now if Baylor comes out playing like this like it's it's just a hard game to win right regardless yeah. of what you do like knocking down everything like getting it felt like all the offensive boards right just control like controlling the glass hitting at a ridiculous percentage especially from deep early. And, like, just being d- downright antagonistic defensively, which I'm here for. I, I just would have liked Gonzaga to, you know, finally get a chip. But outside of that, like, Baylor was – they, their play was amazing, honestly. Yeah.
0: Oh, like, and, hands down, Baylor was just the best team they looked like the most talented team. And um, almost to, like, play devil's advocate, I almost feel like their final four games before this were precursors to, to what's happened, to, like, the next level. Like, Houston's supposed to have, like, this defense that's well, supposed y- to
1: yeah, like, stop you, right? Yeah, and, that's like, and it didn't at all. Didn't even against didn't Baylor. be touched. Like, that's... that's And, like, that was the wild... And, like, part of me when watching the Houston... Like, that's kind of the wild thing, right? Because, like, you look at the numbers, Houston turns teams into chuckers. And so you would think even if, like, they didn't turn Baylor into chuckers, Baylor doesn't shoot like they shot. And they... But, like, they did. Yeah. Like... What?
0: I really feel like in both games, I feel like the coaches unleashed their 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 professional prospects, the guys who were supposed to be like the top dogs in the team. I feel like they were unleashed in like these last two games, and we just saw that Baylor's, Baylor's dudes are ready. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, Jared Butler, E.O.T. all of them. Them boys ready, and they could come back
1: for another year
0: and run it back <laughs> if they want. That would
1: be horrifying, but they're also not going to do that. Oh, so yeah. it's Like it, like you if you're them, like you go ahead and go to the like you've done what you, the only thing you really yeah. like do try to do for real in college. Like go go and get your ring. I mean, like get, go and get your go make your money. You got your ring. Oh,
0: I don't think you understand, bro.
1: Wait,
0: no, no, I know you do understand. We we fanboyed over uh, Baylor's recruiting class.
1: Think about that, bro. Like, what would be fun, even though it probably won't happen, if for no other reason than, you know, reality. Is if like they, they run this? They basically run this championship back next year, you know, because Gonzaga is expected to have Chet Holgram, Like he isn't committed, but that's who he's expected to commit to, and like Baylor and their and, and their boys come through, and like it's just and this is and we're basically running this back in a year. Like that would be, I'd be entertaining if nothing else. Dude, I think that would be some terrifying,
0: like, um, you should probably just go ahead and throw those two teams in the G League bubble right now type experience because as far as I'm concerned, when it when we shake everything up, like, let's say 10 years from now, of the dudes that are on Baylor's uh, roster, I think five of them will have their time in the NBA at least five. And then if we add in their recruiting class, they just got uh, Hunter Salas. They have a freshman there now, Julian Strother, who is promising. Like, I might be projecting here, but what I see from uh, Gonzaga is if you stay there long enough and you produce, there's going to be a chance that you get some type of love. Um... And then Baylor bringing in what? A top 10 recruit. Mm-hmm. And then Langston Love, who's gonna fit in perfectly with the guards, who's um 6'3, he'll bulldog, he's cervical, he'll shooter, and he's gonna play hard in those defense. Like and then we got dudes like LJ Cryer who are just gonna get a year better, who are, who's on the bench? Yeah, nah. Nah, that, that would that would be a super
1: team, bro. But right. um I guess moving away from the men's for a second, I would like to yeah. talk about like the women's because yeah. like okay, well, let me start by saying that like none of the women's games disappointed. I just want to throw that out there right now. Um but like they all p- felt fairly poorly officiated mm-hmm. well not so much the not so much the title game, but the final four games, and like I'll explain why here in a second but so in like in these games um final four Yukon lost to Arizona, which was surprising because it's you know the Yukon women's team, right, and they have. What? Paige Beckers, who was, who's player of the year, like, yeah, player of the year as a freshman.
0: All five like, all sports. Yeah,
1: like, she, 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 she collected a lot of hardware, like, uh, on an individual level. Um, and, like, fairness, I had not really seen her, like, show, like, the one game of UConn's I caught in the regular season, like, she, Like, she was just kind of there. Like, she didn't look bad. Like, she looked like a good freshman. But, like, I actually got to see her work for real, like, watching some of the tournament games. And, like, I get, I kind of, I get why I get the hype now. Definitely a lot more than I did, right? But, like, against Arizona, well, first off, like, well, one, Arizona just, they, they they came out ready to play, right? right. Kind of not, not unlike, like, from an intensity standpoint, from, like, an overall play, like, not unlike how, you know, Baylor came out against Gonzaga, right? Just knocking down shots, causing all kinds of trouble defensively. Um, Ari McDonald is a problem. Right, she's not that big, about five six, but like, at least that's her listed height, and it doesn't really matter because she was, she spent the basically the entire tournament doing basically what she wants, knocking down shots from deep, like getting into the paint and finishing. Like, she had no 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 problem scoring. That did not change against UConn at all. And like, granted, Becker's was was a lot of was basically UConn's offense during this game, like during that game, which was which is bad if you're UConn because like you probably need other people people other than her to show up consistently, and like at least to at least that night they didn't, right? Because Arizona played good, solid defense on everybody. But, like, this, I don't know if it's a microcosm of the game, but it's just something I remember, I distinctly remember seeing. Like, so there was one play in particular. I don't, and I think I've seen McDonald do it a couple times. But, like, she posted Beckers up, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, hit the turnaround shot. And it's just, and like it's somebody, it's just like a spectator, right? You're just like, you, you gave up, like you're six inches, t- you're you're six inches taller than her, right? You shouldn't be, she shouldn't be like abusing you like that, but, like, McDonald could basically do what she wanted.
0: Yeah, bro, it's the spam, bro, and she's not small either. And she like, plays really physical.
1: Oh, yeah, she's not scared. She plays solid defense. Oh, and, yeah. like, watching her, like... Because, like, you would think that, like, put, like try, putting your post player on her, right, would be, like, like just wonderful. But, like, it wasn't, like, watching her... Not not just against UConn, but just against basically everybody in turn. Mm-hmm. Like, that was actually a much worse idea than you would think it was on paper. Right? Because she... Like, players didn't really score on her in the post. And I think some of that is just, like, knowing how to play as a smaller player. Yeah. But all... Because, like, she was... Because she seemed kind of smart about it. But, like, may, maybe folks just missed shots. It's possible. But, like, it happened with enough different players enough times that I'm just kind of like, this isn't the mismatch you think it is. It's still a mismatch, but it's not like you think it is. Um, And... You know Arizona controlled that entire game, wire to wire. Um, With the Stanford, oh, but as far as like talking about real quick, touch on the the refing. So like there was a play early in the game, right, where one of Arizona's bigs just like pushed Beckers down. But I don't when I say like just like like the ref, you didn't you didn't see that. Like you just you just you're just gonna this is just. Like, you're just going to let this happen? Really? (laughs) Right. Um, But, and, like, the, what, Stanford-South Carolina game was, it was a lot closer for starters, right? Um, Like, Stanford came out, they, they came out hot. But, you know, South Carolina came back. It was an intense game. Right? Um, like, Haley Jones is a problem. Yeah. Haley Jones is nice. Yeah. Right. And, like, she, and the thing with it, though, is, like, it's kind of, like, to watch her, like, she can create a little bit, but she's also very kind of get in where you fit in. Like, Mm -hmm. she'll find the spot to actually do something. And it's like, all right, just easy shot or what have you. Um... And, but like it was, it was a knockdown out kind of game, right? It was. In fairness, though, and this is just like how I felt with it, that like one, and we're talking talking about officiating. I felt like they they let the women's games get too physical. Like it was never to the point like people were like fist fighting or anything crazy like that. Yeah. But like it's just like ref, you like they. Are we're just gonna let them knock the shit out of each other. Like I get letting them play, but like some of this stuff is kind of blatant that you're letting go, right? Um, and and in, and in, in the case of this game, it's just my opinion that like while it was poorly officiated, it tipped in, t- in like Stanford's favor a little bit the way it ended up getting called especially late with like um, what really should have been like a kickball or whatever as well as like I think there was a one of Stanford's players pushed one of UConn's on a clear like breakaway and like that didn't get called Um, but like for South Carolina it was a runnable game the whole way through like at the end especially like they got you know, a, a steal, but, like, the, the player, and I, I want to think, I, I thought she should have, like, passed it, but, like, she went for the layup, she missed it, Boston, you know, got it, to, to like, tipped, tipped it trying to get in, and, like, it just didn't go, it, it just, it just didn't go, right, like, it, it was out of her hands in enough time, it, it just didn't go, and, like, that kind of just happens sometimes, right? And of course, it's like a coach and like a player left your own devices. You want to leave with a game where like you don't have to be like like there's no like what if like what if like the refs had called stuff some stuff they didn't ca- they they let go, or like, or or like the, you don't want the what ifs and what have you and, like. Exactly. And my understanding is apparently Boston like one of the games that South Carolina lost was also a tip in like that like that di- that didn't go right um and like South Carolina's a young team like Stanford a lot of their players were seniors yeah South Carolina's players are like what sophomores juniors freshmen so like basically the entire crew should be coming back pretty much right barring any like transfers or what have you um so like they'll get another whack at it like they'll get, they'll get some more tries Granted they'll have to do it against a UConn team that is going to be disgusting. But um that's neither here nor there. That's, yeah. but Ozzy Fudd, <laughs> yeah, Her <and> backers. <laughs> um
0: will be fun.
1: But like regardless, like Stanford survived and they like and that's how and that's how it goes. They survived, they they got to the title game. A game against Arizona, a team that they blew out when they played them in the regular season right um and like and like they talked about it in game like they know how to defend McDonald like you don't really stop her but like you can make her in a fish like they made like she wasn't hitting shots in the title game like she was every other game right she like she like she still scored like she got to the line she still hit some she hit big shots but like she wasn't She, like, she was go what, like three games before she went for like basically thirty a game, yeah, and like that that didn't happen here, like that didn't happen title game, um, but um, what's it, Pellington, like she had a teammate Pellington who showed up big for them, right, like she she didn't hit threes but like she got to the rim, like she made shots which was something they really needed cuz like Stanford has options when shots aren't falling <laughs> like Williams doesn't show up and that's cool cuz Jones does right it's, it, it it's like that with Stanford but like Arizona like they came out and at first like it felt like maybe they were they were coming out kind of like they were in their own heads a bit but like after a second, like they that whatever kind of hesitation kind of went away, and it was it was a like it was a good, like it, it was a very solid game, right? Like McDonald didn't hit all of her threes, but she hit the important ones, right? Um, but like it, it kind of just wasn't to, like it came down like a, it came down to a last check and shot, right? And like, in fairness. I I'm not sure if it was poorly executed or like the final like their final play it was it was poorly executed or like it just didn't work. But like, cause they cause I think they were trying to get McDonald open right because he wanted to get a clean look. But that didn't really happen. Like she set a pick for somebody and some stuff happened. But like, basically the entirety of Stanford's team like started defending her basically, and like she. Had like someone in the corner, wide open. Granted, not a great three-point shooter, but got it, has a better had a better shot, like a cleaner shot or whatever. Um, and like she threw the like she, the shot went up, right? And like you know, she did get fouled on that last one. Like when you look at the replay, but you know it is what it is. Like it had a chance to go down, it didn't. Right. Um, and you know that's that's just what it is, and. You know Stanford won. What Jones was, uh, I think the most important player. Like she got that. Um, And I don't know. I guess it's a a title. I guess it's a good reward for spending what about two months on the road. Yeah. Yeah, like just two months on the road, just straight up, which kind of had to suck after a while. It just kind of did. But. Again, like just it was really good basketball was played this like these tournaments, honestly. Like both men's and women's. Like the the Baylor Yukon game was really, really fun. I think I've I feel yeah. like I've talked about this. Yeah. And you know Matter of fact, I I'm pretty sure I was making faces on the last podcast <laughs> watching that one. Um but you know, it was just it's good, great game, like it was great basketball.
0: This was a great tournament, bro. I almost feel like I did myself a disservice by not watching as much as many games as possible. But mm-hmm. uh the ones that I did see, it was always good. Except when they were like blowouts. At some yeah. point I would just fall asleep like halfway through. Like like that Houston game. Mhm. I didn't watch the second half for real, bro. Like, the last five minutes, fell asleep. Because it was like, oh, they, they smacked him too bad. There's no way you coming back.
1: Fair. But, like, what I will say with that one, though, unlike most of the other blowouts I saw, not the Houston game, but, like, the Gonzaga-Baylor game, which I guess technically wasn't a blowout, but Baylor controlled the entire game. So, same difference, ultimately. Is just, like, with with the Baylor Gonzaga, even though like it was a blowout, like it was still an entertaining game, yeah. and maybe that's because I like I like defense and like the intensity of you know Baylor's defense, which we've I've talked about at length, and I feel like I've just kind of been rambling the last fifteen minutes, mm. but um, but like the way Baylor dominated was fun to watch, which you don't now that I think about it, you don't see that much, where it's like even the blowout is fun, it's like. Yeah, it's frustrating because like the team I wanted to win did not, but like that was some entertaining basketball being played. Like that defense was amazing. They knocked down every Baylor knocked down everything they looked at the first half. And, you know, it was you know, it was a good way to end the season, I think. Even well, for everybody except Gonzaga. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no that, poor Jalen sucks.
1: Also that Baylor Yukon game really should have been a it really should have been a Final Four game. It was just very, very good.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a top-notch nice game, bro.
1: Yeah. I've just been rambling. Hold
0: on. Oh, no. You good?
1: Uh, you have anything you want to add before we you know, switch gears more to, towards coaching carousel and stuff?
0: I do not, bro. You know you are the master of ceremonies when it comes to college basketball. That's why you are a pillar of this podcast, my man. So I bow down to you and let you go ahead and get your solo podcast on because I don't think I could have did what you just did. So congratulations, and you did it very analytically. You you hit all of the things. You sounded like a coach, my guy. uh <laughs> So let's go ahead and get into the carousel, the coaching carousel, where I can be more useful.
1: (laughs) Okay, um, to start with, because I'm not... Like, in fairness, outside of SMART, I'm not sure who we touched on in prior podcasts off the top of my head. But I know um, the coach for Loyola Chicago, Porter Moser, uh, has left Loyola Chicago. Yeah. um, And the... um, I suppose the blessings of... Um, what's it, Sister Jean? To go play for Oklahoma? I mean, not play coach for Oklahoma.
0: Got Sister Jean into it.
1: <laughs> I'm just like, you're in Oklahoma. God cannot help you now. I'm I'm being <laughs> that actually came off as far far yeah, meaner it than far. I intended it to. Be. <laughs> that was that was far meaner than I intended it to be
0: don't do Oklahoma like that. They they just came off, of, uh, they made it to the tournament. They got a decent recruiting class coming in. They got some nice guards. They got some skill out here. Um, do they hold up after the Moser talk? We will see. I haven't seen anybody open up recruitment, so it looks like they're still down with them. Uh, but also, anybody who can manufacture back-to-back final, I mean not final four runs, but getting that deep into the tournament with like Somewhat level of consistency with like your team. Like, from the fact that you had a freshman on your first team that went to the Final Four, and then your that freshman is now the star for your what like Elite Eight run. Like, that's that's pretty big. As a recruit, I think I would respect that enough for me to be like, I know the coach that I came here with isn't here especially if I'm going for the school, but it's usually not that easy, especially with, like, the personal connections and whatnot. So we're going to see. Because I I believe... I believe the recruits that are going to Oklahoma that I know of, I believe, like, CJ Nolan has connections to Mm -hmm. Oklahoma. So I think he would probably slide regardless. And then um, I'm, I'm probably butchering my man's uh, name but behind uh, Cortez. Um, he's another guy, another point guard that's going to Oklahoma. He's from Oklahoma. So that's the in-home recruit. Where, where you going to go? Oklahoma State? You? Just kidding. We'll keep that uh, that Dallas pipeline strong. But uh, this is this is a move that was like interesting and weird to me because it's like you... I would feel like you almost got status at Loyola of Chicago at this point, right?
1: Pretty. Like, I'd have to... Like, something close to it, I'm sure. Like, like, what you holding over me? An actual
0: championship? Like, how dare you? Like, I know you have one, but how dare you?
1: I mean... You can't even really hold that one over him, because that was like 50. No, 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 no. It was like 60 years ago. Actually, it'd be over 60 years. I'm pretty sure it was before like, my parents were born. Um, like, so it's...
0: Yeah. Uh, 90%, but he's, 90% he's, of your fan base don't know you won. D-
1: yeah. Like, but um, Richard Pitino has been fired from his job at Minnesota. Not to be confused with Rick Pitino, his dad, which could get confusing. But, like, <laughs> yeah, he, he's fired at Minnesota. He's – the new coach is a Ben Johnson, who is, a Z- who is an assistant at uh, Xavier. Okay. That's pretty dope. Well, not uh, – Richard. Oh, also, Patino is now the new coach at New Mexico. So there's that.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Again, the son, not the father. He's still at Iona.
0: Yeah. Rick, not the dick.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, Roy Williams, as I'm sure, like, many of y'all have heard at this point, uh, legendary coach Roy Williams retired from North Carolina. Um he and you know he had a wonderful career um my understanding is he was kind of brutal to himself in, like his like speech about it like yeah. i didn't like i ran across like i didn't see it but like i thought him to talk about it I'm, like that sounds like i i probably don't want to sit and listen to that yeah. like it's like you you don't need to beat yourself up you just it's okay just you know go enjoy retirement or whatever like I can understand like he's been at it for a long time.
0: Yeah. Um I was listening to Sam Vassini's podcast, uh, the game theory, and they were saying part of the reason why he left is Walker Kessler uh transferring. And you know, normally with uh with UNC, they've been able to kind of dictate guys' careers. Like They have the NBA connections enough where you come here, they tell you what to do, and then the NBA taps them to tell you when you can go. But now, with everybody transferring all the time, you don't got that same control. So, I think he thinks that's a little bit of the issue. But why? I like... To me, UNC has been down for, like, the past couple years. Like, they haven't been the same UNC of old, especially not when, like, just 2010s related. Like, it's, it's not the same team anymore. Like, he's ran a really good race. Like, like that's a, that is that is an already Hall of Fame career. It's like, hey, he sent me something. Go ahead, sit down, big dog. Can't even, can't even be bad. Like, you ain't even got to give me a reason. Go ahead. Go ahead, go play with your grandkids.
1: Right. Um, and he he's going to be succeeded at the position of head coach in North Carolina by uh, his assistant uh, Herbert Davis.
0: Yeah, that's pretty dope. Gave it off right. to a former player. So,
1: um, like it's like it's one of them things. Like we'll see how it goes, just because like. I've seen some saying like, because he doesn't have much in the way of head coaching experience, but like, yeah, it's but it's it's also like, again, as with many things, a lot of home run hires, it who like you would actually think of to try and tap would probably just like, my understanding is like Roy Williams and Mark Few are close, right? They they they've been they're cool, but like, Few's not about to leave Gonzaga, like if he if he wanted to, he probably would have done it already. Right. He's been at, he's been there for 22 years. Yeah. Like, like a little over 20 years now. Like, and he's got the program as good as and arguably better than just about any in the country. Um, I mean, like, if you're in North Carolina or really any big name school, you call and ask. He's just going to give you your no and, like, you keep on. Right. But, um, uh, Memphis assistant Tony Madlock is the new coach of South Carolina State, which, you know, I just kind of want to throw in there mostly because like I ran across it at random, right? Um, because like I'm interested to see where his son goes to play college ball. Yeah. Um, but I, I know with you I've talked about it at length, talked about like how I like how he plays a lot. Um, but like the the previous coach. Murray Garvin was fired from the position. So, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how Madlock does. It'd be nice to see him, you know, be successful there. Um, Because, like, I just like seeing HBCUs do well. Um, The previous coach of Bethune is current, like, it just became the head coach at uh, UT Martin, which, it's like, I'm just going through some of this. Um, Because the previous coach passed away oh that's sad yes it is and he's not the only one on this list
0: oh that's yeah yeah well but
1: um succeeding shaka smart at texas is chris beard who's also taking like half of the half of the head coaches in the state of texas with him apparently
0: Hey, man, um, this is the most confusing move that I've seen just off, um, I don't know who he couldn't get at Texas Tech that he couldn't get in Austin, I guess. It's, uh, I guess it's a little bit different. But if your team continues to be good, I guess that's not really that much of a worry, I guess. The name Texas kind of gets you out of just recruiting the state. But if you look at the state, we have the best 2022s. Like, like probably pound for pound, the state has the best 2022s. And I feel like he could have got, like, a good number of them in this class coming up. Like, he already had Jalen Tyson. If Tyson has a really good year, that's just going to make it look even better. Um but hey, um, like, did you say this is his alma
1: mater? It's like, like that? that's my. Let me double check before I'm like, yes, yeah, saying wrong things. Which I mean, I suppose I should say them loudly, but I don't like doing that.
0: Yeah. But whatever the connection is, is it just? This seems like a weird time to have. Jump ship, but I mean, hey,
1: like, yeah, he, yeah, Texas was his alma mater. But. Yeah, so if you're
0: old school coming knocking, you go, I guess, right. but
1: Texas boom. joining him at Texas is the former head coach of Texas Arlington, Chris Ogden, and mm. former head coach of Texas El Paso, Rodney Perry, Rodney Terry, mm. which. I mean, I don't really understand, but that's not really my business.
0: Well,
1: like why you would leave for an assistant, jo- like leave the head coaching gig for an assistant job, but, eh, you know.
0: Yeah, hey, that UT draw is different, bro. Maybe that uh come with a little, little extra money than your head coaching job did. Um, Give up some of that freedom for that bag.
1: Uh, maybe I guess. Yeah, I, I I don't think it could be me though. But
0: yeah, um, we young. That's pride, bro. We I got mean, to get some of that pride go away.
1: I'm holding on to some of it. I don't care. But your kids can't like, eat pride. <laughs> look, if they if they can't eat off of a head coaching salary, I'm. Either I'm doing something very, very wrong or something very, very wrong is going on in the country. (laughs) But um, Utah fired their head coach um, and went and got Utah State's head coach, Craig Smith, um, who will be succeeded at Utah State by um, UMBC's head coach, um, Ryan Odom. Also... um, Winthrop's head coach left for College of Char- Charleston. Okay. Um which I I I really don't have any thoughts on that sadly. Also, um the new head coach at Gre- um at Wichita State is Isaac Brown because Greg Marshall resigned. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um and you know, there's there's some more movement going on. Um,
0: Calvin, quick question for
1: you: mm-hmm. The
0: move right. from Winthrop to the College of Charleston is that mm-hmm. a step up, or is that a step down, or is that a lateral move?
1: So the way I've seen it talked about, it's kind of a step up, but like mm. I like I don't really know. If I'm if I'm straight up, but like yeah. the way you talk about, it's kind of a step up, but it's but like I think it's more to do with like better, I guess, kind of better, maybe some better facilities, better sales pitch, mm. like the area. Um,
0: yeah.
1: but like it's not, I wouldn't call it just like straight up better, but also like I kind of think that in a lot of cases. Coaches kind of make the programs, as opposed Dish. to the other way around. But like there, there are instances where like there's clear you know it, stuff hurdles you'd have to overcome, like with any given program. Um, oh yeah, Iowa State uh, fired Steve from, and took UNLV's head coach T Day that's Um, Of course, Mike Woodson is now the head coach at Indiana for reasons only God knows. (laughs) But, you know, hopefully he's successful over there. Like, let's see, anything else of note? Um, There's still some vacancies. There's, of course, vacancies left to fill um, because a lot of these... Places that had coaches leave for other places didn't necessarily get replacements or, ha- or currently have them. There are some that fired their coaches that don't currently have replacements on board. Um,
0: any big names out there?
1: Um, let's see. Scrolling through, doesn't look like there are any like big names that don't already have have them filled. Gotcha. Um. basically if it's if it seems like a big name, they they probably already have their, their their new their new head coach. At least unless they're like some that I'm unaware of, which is it's possible. Yeah. Um but for the most part it's a lot of the smaller programs that are like I guess the biggest one, just looking at it, it's like San Jose State fired their head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like, and like, they don't have an immediate replacement, but like, it's like, it's like, if you get the right coach, San Jose State can is a good program,
0: yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But otherwise, most of them seem to kind of have their dudes, but I'm sure there'll be more movements,
0: yeah. yeah. All right, and we will talk about that on. The next episode of the Traveling Hoopers. Calvin, do you have anything before we get up out of here?
1: Not too much because like while there was a crap ton going on with college ball, the NBA is kind of just there. Yeah. Um, it seems like Michael Porter Junior has kind of gotten his stuff together as a like as a complete player, which sounds like that would that sounds like a nightmare if you're not if, if he's not on your team. Yeah. But outside of that, not really. Um, oh yeah, I'm gonna go. Like, I'm gonna try and catch a. I've been trying to catch a Golden State game because, like, when I keep just kind of browsing the internet, of uh, engaging in websites that are bad for my mental health. <laughs> um, like, I keep seeing people talk about how like Wiseman is just not good, like is bad, right? And I'm just like, he he seemed, he seemed fine when I saw him in Memphis. He seemed straight, like, in high school. Like, if you want to argue that, like, um, Anthony Edwards was a better prospect or, like, might make a more immediate impact, I would have given that to you then because, like, I saw him play. But, yeah. like, it, my it seems like my understanding is it's kind of, There are various things. It's kind of just been a rough adjustment to him early, for him early. Like, he'll, my understanding is, like, he'll show flashes, but also just kind of, like, struggle to be in the right place at the right time, which, at least, because I'm like, let me see, and I would have watched the whole game, but I just kind of watched highlights because ESPN didn't have a game for me, so. Yeah. And, like, it just kind of seemed like, if anything, he kind of, like, probably overthinks, especially on defense. But, like, I'm gonna watch a game because, like, really, to see these things, you have to watch a full game because, like, highlights, whether they're his or someone else's, don't necessarily tell a full, a complete picture. But it's also just kind of like, he's a rookie. Most of them aren't good. Even the good ones aren't generally that good by NBA standards. Right? Like, Luka Doncic isn't isn't a, he wasn't a normal rookie yeah like but had a profession for what like four years and like already had like pro hardware like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna try and i think there might be one i have to check i either this Tuesday or next I'm going to try and catch so I can figure out if he's as bad as people seem. As some people seem to be have convinced themselves that he is,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: I don't know, it just seems like a relatively hard sell for me at this point but, you know, oh also, I'll talk about it with you off the, the pod because I'm just like, I have thoughts about Kerr but also just more generally yeah yeah all right. And if that is it, thanks for closing out,
0: Calvin. We are done. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Traveling Hoopers podcast. I've been your host, Alan Pettigrew. My good friend, Calvin McGowan, is standing right in front of me. And go ahead and do the official sign-out. You know, so-
1: of course, thank you all for joining us, for staying with us to the end. Um, If you are of course, you can find us wherever you find your podcasts. If you are joining us on YouTube, you know, like, share, subscribe. Leave something down in the podcast. I mean, in the comments. <laughs> take that out. Take that out. Um, <laughs> he's not taking that out. But, um, like, you know, what was your favorite game of, you know, the postseason for college basketball? um like what are you looking forward to the next college basketball season um or if you're a WNBA fan like what are you hoping for to get out of with the draft with your team Calvin out here trying to give y'all homework bye <laughs> I mean, just put it in the comments or don't it's not that deep